So, yeah, as I was, uh, as I said earlier when we were kind of starting up here, it is really lovely to be back here again. It feels um, in one way like no time at all, and in another way it feels like quite a long time has passed. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of been moving around a little bit, sort of, you know, feeling here and there and things like that. So, um, finding ourselves a lot more used to quite amazing actually the whole you know it's coming on four years now since we've been in Uganda um, and just that thing of kind of uprooting everything from here and, and going to another uh, another continent another country um, and a completely different culture as well um, really does sort of you kind of get hit with things that are a, a bit different you know stuff that you uh, you assume well this is this is how it should be done. This is this is the right way of doing things. You know, this, no one goes in first or second. You know, we can we can start there and we can build up into um, into much bigger things than that. Um, and one of the things that I've, uh, I've I find actually from from when we've been in Uganda is just about so say like in church, like singing and music and stuff like that. What what's the what's the best way to praise God in worship? You know, is it a piano and a guitar? Um, that's the only way that you can do it, you know, just that's because it's great, you know, this, it's what we know. Um, is, it, is it no music at all? Uh, uh, but also in, in Uganda, it, it's kind of a little bit different in that it's the, the rural churches particularly, um, but a lot of the churches in Kampala as well. Um, when they sing, like, <laughs> the music there is loud. Like they have speakers that are just enormous things, you know. If 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 a church is, you know, you you, you can hear a church, you know, from a fairly far distance away, um, and we where we are in the city, we can hear a number of churches around us on a Sunday, um, and it's loud and it's long, and um, I mean, like I've got a friend with EMI who, you know. W- he's got one of these sort of fancy watches and, and when he was in the church like the watch was beeping at him of like this is too loud this will permanently damage your hearing if you do not remove yourself from this vicinity um, and uh, we we had an experience of that where we just the week before we flew here um, we were invited along to a friend's uh, Ugandan cultural wedding and they call it a kwanjula or an introduction so this takes place like out in the village at the bride's uh, family's house Um, and what happens is um, we were going with the groom and the the groom comes with his family to the bride's family and they meet and there are introductions Um, that's it summed up very in a very short time they do not take a short time over this this is the entire afternoon. This is celebration. This is mu- like we, where we were sitting, just kind of like on the um, under these tents here. So they, they have these tents and then these chairs underneath. So we sat there for, for the whole afternoon and the speaker was like here and everything is music and is dancing. And, if, and I, I don't walk from here to there I'm not going to do it because you don't want to see that, but I would dance from here to there. 
um, because it's a joyous occasion, because it is something to be celebrated, um, and because that is an important way to, to do that. So just because it's not what I was used to, you know, it doesn't, <coughs> it doesn't mean that that's not the, the way to do it, if you know what I mean. Um, <coughs> somebody who wasn't used to it was Beth. So she uh, struggles with loud noises, um, which, you know, meant that uh, it was difficult for her. She drew this graph in her diary the day afterwards. And I'll talk you through it in case, in case you can't read her writing. This, this one is whisper, and this is rustling leaves. This is talking and shouting. That's a lawnmower. That's a jet takeoff. That's an atom bomb. <laughs> and that is Kwanjala music. Um, and it was, it was not what I was used to, but just because it wasn't what I was used to, it made me sort of think like, my initial reaction was like, no, you can't do this, this is wrong. Like, stopping myself, like, no, just because it's not my thing doesn't mean that it's wrong. This, this is a joyous thing. This is something to be celebrated. And it's the same for, you know, taking the, the stuff from the Quangela to, like, to churches as well. If we're going to sing, you know, songs in the service, is it, is it wrong to do it that way? Or, well, no, it's, it's just not what I'm used to. It's, it's a different way of doing things. Um, and we have all of these different differences, and, and there are some, I say, really obvious differences, and there are some which are really subtle and under the surface. But in the midst of all of that, we are called to be church together. We are all God's people together, and when we come to worship together, we are called to be church. Um, so I want to I look at uh, this passage in Ephesians 2. Um, don't worry, you don't have to read this. I've just got this up here as a like aid memoir thing. Um, because in this, I, I, first of all, I kind of like this passage because there's a bit at the end where it's talking about buildings and foundations and things. I'm like, great, as a, a structural engineer, I have to like that. Um, and it actually, it's, there's lots of different points in this where it really ties in a lot to the work that we're doing within EMI. I talked about our core values like the design, like, okay, that's the, that's the church, the, the foundations and stuff at the end. But in the discipleship that we do, Paul is really calling the Ephesians on here to sort of say, well, you were like this, but I'm calling you on in, in Christ's name to something better, to something greater, to, to discipling the Ephesians through this. Um, and then the diversity. I mean, if you want to talk about diversity of things like Jews and Gentiles, it, you, you cannot, you know, in, in a sort of a biblical setting, you cannot get more diverse than that. It's God's people and it's not God's people. You know, that's, that sums up everybody. Um, so the, the main thing, and I, I should say as well, this isn't going to be like a verse by verse digging into everything um, because I've already been up here talking about what God's been doing in Uganda and we don't want to do that and then, you know, 45 minutes of a sermon. So this is only going to be 42 minutes, I think. <laughs> I'm joking. It's not. No, this is, this is much more like thoughts on Ephesians 2, um, the things that, that really just kind of, you know, God is, has been working in my life in the past few months um, and highlighting things. So just to kind of very, uh, almost kind of divide up the passage into different sections, We've got this sort of first section here, verses 1 to 3, where um, Paul is, is kind of saying how things were. 
what, what it was like beforehand. First, we were dead. You, you were dead in the trespasses and the sins. We were gone. You know, we, we, were, we were just enslaved to these desires and to just following our own way. And that was bad. That, that wasn't good. But then this next bit, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead, he then died for us. Then he took the punishment for us and he um, made us alive together in Christ. You know, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Alive together in Christ. Like we were no hopers and God has, um, <coughs> God has rescued us. But he's actually, um, he saved us. Oh, it's interesting. It's jumped on a bit. But um, <coughs> he has saved us not just for any particular reason. He has saved us for purpose. He saved us for some good works that he has um, planned out in advance for us. But then the main section of this, <coughs> the main bit of this, he is talking about unity. He is talking about the church to say, yes, all of, you know, yes, you were gone. Now I've saved you for these things that I have for you. But you have to be united. You have to be a church that is um, that does not have these dividing walls between us, and and as he's speaking to the church in Ephesus and the the Jews and the Gentiles, it's something that is just so clearly kind of rockets down through the ages um, of this word of unity of being God's people together, um, and the he sort of ends here in, at the end of this chapter where he's talking about through this unity we see this temple being built the foundations the cornerstone that is christ and we see this amazing thing in the same way that the temple was this place where um god's power and majesty would be displayed for people where people would come to worship god that's who we're to be to today um here and now the church is god's temple um where people come to worship him so that's uh, very quickly kind of going through that and what I want to do is I want to kind of just go through each bit um, and just talk about that a little bit more about some of the, the amazing things with that. So this this first thing about how we once were dead in our trespasses. Um, we, know, we know our natural inclination. Um, we know that um, this following the, the course of this world these desires that we have, this behavior that we have, it comes so naturally to us, this, this old way of doing things. Um, and that we, we can certainly live in the, the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, and mind. And it's something that uh, nobody needs to teach us. <laughs> you know, I, I say it, it really does come naturally to us. And, and in the same way where we get later into this where we talk about unity that um, that's not something that does come naturally to us in our in our old self in our dead self um, and it's it's because unity isn't something that comes naturally to us it's something that we need to, to focus on something that we need to put um, that we need to consciously strive after you know it's kind of it's a bit like uh, a bit like gardening where you know, if you do nothing in a garden, well, of course stuff will grow. Well, some stuff will grow, <laughs> but it, it grows everywhere, you know, whereas actually if there is that conscious effort of pruning what needs to be pruned, of plucking up what needs to be plucked up, and actually 
it still naturally grows, but it's got it's got this direction, it's got this this plan behind what is happening. And in the same way, um, how we live our lives, how we relate to one another, that that is something that we need to think about. We need to think about how we are united in that. Because if we just naturally do things, well, we kind of naturally tend towards that that unkempt garden. And um, I wanted to to talk about that in in the context of EMI Uganda because that's something that we have been really, I suppose, wrestling with in the past few months. It's something that has been very, um, uh, very current, I should say, in, in our thinking of things. And, and, and a lot of this is why I've just got this real desire to speak about Ephesians 2 and about what God is saying through that. Because you can see from, from this sort of, this picture of our office that, as I said, we've got lots of different um, disciplines, architects and engineers and things. And if you've ever seen an architect and an engineer communicating, sometimes it doesn't go so well. There's a very artistic mind and there's a very scientific mind and things can get missed and things can, um, can well, anyway. Um, but not only that, not only have we got different disciplines, but like the obvious thing from the picture is that we're all different ethnicities. Um, we're all different nations. We speak different languages um, and there are a lot of very obvious differences between us and um, what has kind of happened over the past while is that in a way like tending that garden we haven't necessarily been paying attention to a lot of the I suppose the communication or the feelings or the whatever things might be and actually what has happened is that um, some things have kind of been bubbling away under the surface. Now the great thing is um, when this photo was taken in March, this was a retreat that we had and we really started to actually confront this and to start to talk about some of the disunity that we had. Um, and what was really encouraging, I think, from that is that yes, it's discouraging to see the things that are wrong, but it's really encouraging to then see, okay, this is wrong and we want to be here. We want to be at this common goal together and we want to get there together. So let's work at that. Let's actually you know, cast our, our eyes onto Christ and focus on that rather than the really obvious easy things. Well, he said that and she didn't get this and stuff like that. And in the same way that this, this is an office, yes, but it's an office of Christians and in many ways mirrors the body of Christ, but so much more in a church in churches together where people are one um, they are one people they are one um, which which we'll get on to but the the children of God together um, but in in so much as there can be difference and disunity in this setting we can still see the same in, in our churches as well and sometimes the differences aren't even so visually obvious but the differences are there. You only need to look at the person to your right and to your left, and, and you can see that actually, well, they do, they do this. Excuse me. <coughs> um, and there can be really, there can be things that that can cause friction from that. Um, so unity is something that we need to think about. Something that, and and as we go through the passage, we will see um, if this goes. Thanks. Um, yeah, so we were this way, 
that's our natural way of doing things. But the great thing is that God didn't just leave us in that. God um, came through Jesus. God, um, even when we were dead, he made us alive with Christ. And the amazing thing about that is that he didn't do that because of me. He didn't do that because um, actually I was worth saving. Um, that's not why he decided to come in and to save all of us. Um, and he didn't do that because you were worth saving either. Um, and he didn't do that because, you know, this really important person in church was worth saving. Actually, none of us were, were worth it. Um, and so when we look at the different kind of things that divide us within church, I think it can be very easy ourselves to think, well, yes, but I'm okay. It's, it's those other people have got the problem. Um, but I'm okay. And we really kind of think, yeah, but, you know, it's kind of God loves me more than, than this person because I'm, you know, I'm better than they are. Um, but what this kind of makes so clear is that none of us, none of us were worth it, you know. Um, and actually that uh, in verse 8 where it says, by grace you have been saved through, through faith. And it's not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Uh, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. No one may say, well, God saved me and that, that must, you know because of me but really you know you were an afterthought or something like that um, but whenever we find ourselves in those situations of disunity that um, that knowledge of here's where we were and God saved us but he didn't do it so that I can boast he didn't do it so that they can boast um, I think that really helps us to see that any issues that we might have God is kind of above all of that and um, this, this little bit kind of at the end of it as well, I just kind of like as a little aside <laughs> that, yes, he saved us, but he saved us to do something. Um, he's got this stuff planned out for us in advance. You know, in a way, when we went to Uganda, um, yes, we were worried about things, but at the same time, we thought God has got something for us to do there. Um, and it's the same here. If we had stayed in the UK, if he had wanted us to, to stay here, he would have had something planned out for us here. Um, and each and every one of us sitting here God has got um, good works that he has prepared beforehand for you. It's not going to be a surprise to him. You know, he's, he's, um, he's rescued you from that. He saved you. He saved you to do something. Um, and he knows what it is. And we don't need to worry about that, that we're going to surprise him in how we are obedient to him. But I wanted to talk about this, this uh, two becoming one this Jew and Gentile um, that Paul kind of devotes the main part of this passage to. There's the, the, the language that is being used here is really very, quite strong language in a way. I don't mean strong language in, um, in the bad sense, but I mean like really just incredible, like there were two people who were completely separated. It's like the, the Gentiles. Um, uh, verse 12, that you were separated from Christ and alienated from the, the commonwealth of Israel. You know, the Gentiles were out. There was no chance for them. Um, but in this amazing way that God saved us, he, he broke down that wall between us because it used to be just his people and everybody else. But then when Christ died for us, whenever he brought us in to God's family, that wall has come down. But... Um, the Ephesian church were still struggling with that. The Ephesian church was still saying, okay, well, I'm a Jew, 
I'm chosen and you're not, you're outside. And, and what Paul is saying here is, it's, you know, the wall has come down. It's like you are people. Stop trying to, Carl said this the other night, you know, as an engineer, I try to like put a wall up. <laughs> That's usually what I do. Um, but, and, and I think we do very well at that of trying to divide ourselves off from people. But this is just so clear of like, there is nothing between you. Um, and what God has done is, is he has rescued us. He has brought us in as one people. Um, and he wants us to act as one people. He wants us to be one people together. Um, and that is his church. And Jesus actually says this in John um, 13. Um, where he says that actually his, his church, and he's talking to his disciples here, but this you know, can also be applied to the church, that everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So when we think about unity, when we think about that bearing with each other and loving one another, that's how people know that we are his disciples. That's how the church shows Christ to the world, by loving one another. And it is really just that simple. <laughs> um, but it's really easy to say. But then when it gets into the nitty gritty of it, oh, how, you know, yeah, but, but this happened or they think that or whatever. It's like, well, yes. But it, it's, it's like um, as with, with my kids, with um, some, <laughs> whenever I'm telling them to, to, you know, maybe I say don't, don't do something like that. And then they go ahead and do it. A lot of the times my conversation, which of course is very measured and very, um, very loving, um, is to say like, well, what, what was, was I not clear about this? You know, was, did, did I not, did, did you misunderstand? Was I not clear that you shouldn't do that? Um, and it's kind of the same here. <laughs> it's like, and it's in, in what Jesus says in John, that you love one another. And you know, when Paul's saying here, there's, there's nothing between you. You should be united, you know, and this, this is how we see Christ. Like, that's it, you know, that's, that's pretty clear. But yet we find ourselves sticking up those walls and we find ourselves um, sort of doing what comes naturally to us. Um, so I want to kind of emphasize this isn't me standing. You're all sitting and I'm standing and I'm saying, well, this is what you should do. Because, of course, like, this is something that is so hard for me to do. Um, and it's just something that God has really been convicting me about recently. Um, that we need, we need God's help in that. You know, obviously we can try to, to do this ourselves, but we need God to help us with that. But we need to have that love for each other. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really strong in like verse 16, even where we can think about these walls that we stick up, um, about this hostility. He might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know, that's, that's a strong word to, to, to put for that, that there, there is nothing between us. And um, I think seeing that where, where we have that disunity, where we separate ourselves off into things, I think that is kind of this sign still of this old self that we see at the start of that. That's the sign of that com coming back in. And if we look at Colossians 3, um, where Paul said to the Colossian church that you've actually, you've taken off the old self, that's what you should have done, 
Um, but we're very good at trying to kind of put the old self back on again because it just feels a bit more comfortable. Um, and, uh, but what Paul is saying in Colossians 3, that you've taken off your old self with its practices, like this first part here, but then you've put on the new self, um, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. And he, he sort of expands on, on this, this main bit here as well in Colossians. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And then he gives us like a little bit more of an instruction from that. Like, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. That, that love brings perfect unity um, to the issues that we find ourselves in. And that's how we see when Jesus says, by, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another, if we have that love over everything. That's how we model Jesus to people, by being united. And it builds us up into that temple like this, this last bit here. It builds us up into this thing that people can see. And people can come and people can worship God and be with God um, in that. And it, people can come to a church that sees people bearing with each other, that sees people loving each other, that sees a, a deep unity that's not some surface thing, but in seeing that there is no difference between me and you in the eyes of God. And so what right do I have to stick up that wall between us. That I should come to Christ and say, help me with this, help me to love those people in my church. And by extension, that's how his love gets out into the world. And it's, it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know when you kind of are away for a bit and you come back, and you notice things that maybe you didn't notice before, whatever it is. Some people talk about the analogy of the, the frog in the pan or whatever it might be. Um, I think it's more just like you come back and maybe the furniture's been moved or actually that armchair was there all along. You never realize, and were these tiles really this color or something like that? Um, it's been slightly odd for me <laughs> coming back to the UK um, this past few weeks. Um, because one of the things that, uh, that really just seems to be, be talked about quite a lot is this, this sense of the culture wars, this sense of what is happening out there about, well, I, I believe this, and you believe that, and if you believe that, then you must believe this. And um, this thing of people... <laughs> And I don't know, maybe people always were angry with each other, but there, it, it just has struck me again of just this real hostility that there can be in discussions with things in the world, but also in the church as well. And the church kind of wading into things and whatever. And that is not to say that, you know, stuff in Uganda is perfect or anything like that. 
I'm just saying it's something that struck me when I came back. Um, and actually seeing this thing where Jesus says, this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And if you love one another, if you are united. Um, and I suppose just where we can where we can find ourselves in situations where maybe it's just easier to kind of slip back into the old self of actually saying, is this how people know that I am God's disciples? Um, and the thing is, it's like where we say, okay, well, here's our little boxes. Here's where you are and here's where I am and, and that sort of thing. We actually see this this unity sort of coming through at the at the end of this this chapter here this this temple this um, the foundation of, of Christ as the cornerstone um, and we're actually then if I take it all the way to Revelation seven right at the end this amazing vision that John has of the throne in heaven um, so in Revelation seven John says after this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And that's something amazing. That's something to think of like, that's where we're going. That's where God is calling us as a church to go to. And that is one people in their white robes standing before the throne and giving him praise because he is worthy of that praise. And the amazing thing is in that, sorry, the amazing thing in that is that every nation and tribe and people and language are there. John sees that. John sees the differences between the people. It doesn't ask us to, to be the same. God asks us to keep our differences, but to have that love over the top of that, to have those white robes that, that these people are, are standing in. Um, and that's amazing, <laughs> that, that he is a God who, who knows how hard it is um, and who, who knows that, yes, we are all different, but he calls us to one people and he calls us to, to break down that wall and to have that unity. Amen.